Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Before we get started uh, studying the scriptures together, we, we just prayed for folks who are in the way or in the aftermath of the storms. If you have uh, close friends or family that you're praying for this morning who are affected by all that, would you just raise your hands? Yeah, look around the, look around the sanctuary. Yep. I, I texted my mom this morning. Fort Myers is, you know, staring down the barrel of the gun. And uh, it was about an hour before I got a text back. So, you know, my heart just kind of caught a half a breath there for a while. But, but uh, she said, it's windy and raining. And um, she could have said that, you know, nine out of ten days during, the, uh, <laughs> during this season in uh, Florida. But so far, it's looking like... Um, they're not in, in danger at this moment. I would ask that uh, as you looked around the sanctuary and you saw the hands of, of people that you recognize, why don't you make a point to pray for the friends and the family of the people who are, who are close to us. And uh, we'll keep you posted as we know anything about how you can, you can pray specifically. I started going to church, uh, my family did, when I was four. And the, the, that, that was a good thing. It just means that the earliest imprinting in my life about those truths that are, say, unquestionable, the ones that you can really count on and live by and, and uh, look at as a, as a guide for doing this, this life in this world, the lens through which you see it, many of those were in place. There were a bunch of things who got a head start on God and the church informing the way that I see the world. I was born in 1970. In 1969, Scooby-Doo debuted on one of the networks. And so if you were a kid my age, you grew up watching Scooby-Doo from birth, okay? Now, nobody who watched Scooby-Doo or still does... Is Scooby-Doo still on? Okay, um... Wow, it's great to see the power of quality programming that survives 47 years. Yeah, Um, if you grew up like I did watching Scooby-Doo, even from your earliest days, you knew this this is all make-believe. It's not real. It's clearly a cartoon. And yet somehow, from your second viewing of this program, you just nodded and swallowed whole at the notion of four teenagers driving around the country in a conversion van, outsmarting every adult that they ever ran into while having semi-intelligent, rational conversations with a Great Dane who had a speech impediment. (laughs) By episode number two, you're like, seems about right. And you went on to uh, see what Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and friends were going to do. It was the same story every week. You remember that, right? Every week it was the same story. There was some mystery that they were going to solve. And, and mysteries typically just revolve around human beings doing things that maybe they ought not to do. But, but the ones who are good at it find ways of hiding it and make it look like it's something else. And that was the case on every single episode of Scooby-Doo. And so at, at some point when it looked like the kids were about to solve the mystery, a ghost would appear. 
Remember that? It was a ghost or some kind of scary critter every time. But, but the ghosts are the ones that loomed large in my thinking. And, and it was just this shapeless, amorphous blob with a white sheet draped over it, eye holes cut. Never could see eyes in there, just eye holes. And then it floated around and made scary noises at inopportune times, always threatening, it seemed, to at least scare and at worst do some kind of physical harm to the good guys. And as a little kid, that's scary stuff. So you would look at your mom and say, Mom, are ghosts real? And mom would smile and with a reassuring pat say, no, honey, that's, that's all just make-believe. And, and when they came back from the commercial, they would prove it. Somebody would pull the mask or the sheet off of the ghost, and it was just some knucklehead who, if it weren't for those darn kids, would have gotten by with it. Which was all good and fine until my family started going to church when I was four. And after we'd been there for a little while, the pastor was preaching a sermon. And he said something about, and I quote, the Holy Ghost. And I turned and I looked at my mom. Who didn't seem to pay as much attention to Scooby-Doo for her worldview as I was at the time. And... uh, I said, Mom, I thought you said ghosts aren't real. But Pastor Stilwell seems to think that they are. And Mom's everywhere kind of responded the same way with, it's okay, honey, he's a good ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Zero comfort for four-year-old Cliff and his contemporaries. And so it was that when I went to church and the pastor started trying to teach about God, the Holy Spirit, and I just couldn't get it. And I wish I could tell you that after growing up and then, you know, some years of formal study to prepare for pastoral ministry that I got the Holy Spirit down, nailed. You need to know anything about the Holy Spirit? You come to old Cliff because he's got it and He'll explain it in ways that, you know, you can understand and will settle all the questions in your mind. But I don't. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his Son. And I have come to believe in the existence and the presence in this world of the Holy Spirit. The passage that Tom read to us earlier includes the very first mention of the Spirit of God. And I'm just going to tell you that over the next several weeks throughout the fall, we're going to investigate, not like the guys in the van, but we're going to investigate who is this Holy Spirit. Why do we need to know about him? Alongside God the Father and God the Son, why why do we need a a Holy Spirit in And how can we come to understand him? Can we? Can we come to know him? And I believe that we can. And so I'm setting a lofty goal for the next several weeks. It's that week by week by week, we'll add one more thing to our understanding understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. 
And then piece by piece, we'll put one more level or degree of relationship together with him. Because remember, we're not doing this to win a game show. We're not doing this to win some trivia game. The whole point of knowing about God is so that we can know him personally and experience him and his life-giving power and love in this world. And because I don't understand God well enough, Scooby-Doo, I'm going to study about the Holy Spirit all fall long. And I would invite you to come with me. Want to do that? All right. Well, I'll tell you how I'm going to go about it. I'm, I just I opened the Bible uh, to find the, the, the first appearance of the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to follow him everywhere he goes in the entirety of the scriptures, and we will see who this God is by the time we get to the end of the series. I, uh, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1 again. And as, as we, we're going to read just two verses of it again, but I want you to get something before we do. When it comes down to learning to interpret the Christian scriptures, there's a way to do this, okay? Um, the, the whole reason, have you ever wondered why it is that pastors go to, to college and seminaries? It's so that we actually find and learn ways of reading this and reliably determining what it's trying to communicate instead of just throwing it open and reading it and going, well, what it seems to me is. These are some, some old texts, and, and they've been purposely collected and connected. And, and one of the principles by which we reliably then interpret the Scripture is this. It's called the law of first occurrence. It means that if you're... If you want to study any idea or any person or any principle in the scriptures, find out where it shows up first. Because what we believe is that while this book didn't drop out of sky, it's got human fingerprints and smudges all over it. Human beings wrote this. Um, we also believe that they were guided by God to help us understand who he is. Therefore, if God's involved with it, the first occurrence of any idea any person or any principle sets the tone for us to understand what it, what it means thereafter. Law of first occurrence. We're going to observe it today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And I said earlier, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit, but that didn't say Holy Spirit. It said Spirit of God. So understand that he goes by a handful of names, and the, the, the name with which you are most familiar, Holy Spirit, or the one that terrified me the most as a four-year-old, Holy Ghost, doesn't show up until about halfway through the Bible in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was the uh, songbook. It's a collection of lyrics from the songs of the faith of the, of the ancient Jewish people. And uh, Holy Spirit, as a title for him, doesn't show up until there. Somebody writing a song about the Spirit of God said, I know something about him that you don't. He's holy, not just powerful. 
But early on, what we find out about him is that there was this spirit, this, this being who, who seemed to not have body or the limits of one, was involved in the business of the origins of the world. And this spirit was the spirit of the God that we know and worship. That's who he was. The question is, yeah, but what was he doing there? Because if you followed what Tom was writing, God just said things and willed them into existence and then said, man, that's some good work. But at the beginning of the whole process, we we read that God had created a mess. And and the passage said that, that the mess there was without form and without life and that the Holy Spirit was somehow kind of Kind of, kind of hovering over it. Hovering is the most common translation, but, but if you look at that, that Hebrew word, it actually says brooding. Okay, who raises chickens? Who has raised chickens? Okay, what, You know what brooding is then, right? We've got this chicken that just you know, eats food and then makes byproducts. And then at some point in her life, she reaches some level of sexual maturity where she starts eating food and producing eggs alongside other byproducts. And usually, she just lays an egg and goes back to eating and making byproducts. Then something clicks, for some reason we don't know, inside this female bird. And she one day eats some food and lays an egg and sits on it. And she she gets up only briefly to make other byproducts and eat and then runs back in and sits down on the egg and and the next day she'll she'll lay another egg and she'll lay another egg and she'll lay another egg for several days in a row and 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 she's constantly just kind of doing this she she's not she doesn't want to squash them she doesn't want any of them to to kind of slip away from her so she's she's making herself as as wide and low as she can cuz she's this incredible heater and she's, she's keeping those eggs underneath her. And if you watch her, from time to time, she'll get up and she'll walk around and she'll, she'll start turning the eggs. And when she's got them all turned each day, then she'll sit down and, and nestle on them some more. And you know how this goes because you've seen it many times. It was miraculous when you saw it as a, as a kid. And it's still pretty cool as an adult that after some period of, of sitting, of hovering, of tending to these strange little, seemingly, they look like rocks, but these seemingly lifeless blobs, one day, a miracle happens. And this incredibly well-formed little chick, very full of life, comes creeping out from under Mama. And Mama says, no, I'm right back in here. Pulls some and as we read those first two verses of the Bible, we, we, we read about God in all of his power saying, there should be a world. And there was, but it was a mess. And the Spirit of God right alongside him said, here, let's do something about that. And started tending to it and, and arranging it and and, and bringing warmth and care to what? 
to what? What was that, what was that blob? What was that mess that he was working with? Here's your, here's your uh, language lesson for the day. Now, most of the time when pastors do this, it's boring. It's just to show off that they know other languages, okay? I'm just going to tell you, I don't know Hebrew. So I had to study it like you do. Look up English spellings and pronunciations, but you're going to like this one. Here's, here's what the Bible says about the stuff, the thing that God created. It was tohu vabohu. It's just fun to say, isn't it? Say it, try it. It's tohu vabohu. Yeah. You now know as much Hebrew as your pastor. Congratulations. Tohu vabohu. He said, and the world was tohu vabohu. Strangely enough, not Hebrew words. They're ancient Sumerian words because the Hebrews, they didn't have a way to adequately express the mass. So scholars worked with that and wrestled with it. And the, the, the idea is that tohu is this idea of, of it's, it's kind of formless, shapeless, chaotic, not arranged very well. Bohu means that had all this stuff and all of these components and all of these possibilities, but no life. It just the, the, the tohu of it, the, the mess, the, the chaos, meant that it was lifeless, regardless of all the potential. And what was the Spirit of God doing about all this? Hovering. But not just floating above watching, standing right there in it like a mother hen, turning, tending, heeding, nurturing. His entire purpose in all of this, you got to get this, was to wade into the tohu vabohu and bring order and life out of chaos and lifelessness. That's the sermon. That's the sermon. The, the law of first occurrences tells us that whatever it is that God the Holy Spirit is doing when he shows up in the rest of this book, he is going to do his very best. He's going to be invested in the business of bringing order out of chaos and life out of lifelessness. As we begin and continue our study, tuck that one away right back here. Because whatever, it else, whatever else it is that God the Holy Spirit is doing, when he shows up on the scene, he's going, it's a mess. And that doesn't seem like it's really living. So I will bring the powers of my Godhood to bear on this. And we'll start bringing together the parts that need to be together and separating the parts that need to be separated and, and, and giving the, the, the warmth that comes from, from closeness to begin to incubate life. Right? It just seemed like there wasn't any before. You know exactly where I'm going with this, don't you? What are the parts, areas of your life that are tohu, vabohu. 
What's that area in your life where you say, there's all this potential, but I just, I just never get it together? What's the part of your life that you look at and you think, that, that should be more than it is. That should be living and vibrant and, and overflowing and life-giving to me and to others, but it's just kind of this soupy mess. What's the place in your life that looks like it was a false start by God? An abandoned project? What's the area in your life that is the continual disappointment to you because you're just being as honest as you know how? It's chaotic. It's tohu babu. I got some tohu vabohu in my life. Do you? I mean, I ran into some of it this morning. I uh, I thought I was prepared better than I was. Spent unbelievable. I, this was just one of those weeks with crazy hours and and. Uh, had everything ready to go, except I didn't. And, uh, and my confusion brought some chaos to other people. See, they came, they came with their stuff ordered and ready to go, but me and my tohu vabohu kind of spilled over into their existence and, and messed with what they had ordered. Valerie, thank you so much for... Um, me and my disorder and the order that you brought to it to help. I really appreciate that a lot. Luke, my tohu vabohu spilled over into your uh, world up there at the booth this morning, and I'm grateful for the way that you, like God's Holy Spirit, worked to bring order and beauty and life to something. I need the help. I need the continued work of God's Holy Spirit in my life to bring order out of my chaos, order to my chaos. I need, I need him to breathe the breath of life. And as Tom read the rest of that, that chapter, he started talking about how God was making living things where before there was this, waterous, this watery death mass. But God started creating and ordering and shaping and breathing life. And, and all of a sudden, the world was teeming with plants and with animals and, and us. And it was when he breathed his breath, his, by the way, Hebrew words for, for breath, spirit, and wind, it's one word. So God called the four winds, the the four breaths, the four life-giving forces from the entire universe and said, put them in the people. My life in them. The power of everything that I ever created, right there, put it in, in them. By the end of the chapter, by the end of that chapter, tohu vabohu was no more. Humans reintroduced it in chapter 2. It's not absent for very long in the scripture. 
And that's what just reminds me that in all of my imperfection, um, all of my, my three steps forward kind of living, I still occasionally take two steps back. And when I do, I find myself a fantastic candidate for God the Holy Spirit to come and do something again. I want to invite you to pray this morning and we will be done. I want to invite you to ask God himself. Maybe you already know. Maybe you already know the answer to the question, what's what's the place in your life that's a bit tohu or bohu? But if you don't know, why don't you ask his Holy Spirit? Because I look at me and there's probably six. There's probably six areas and I can't handle six at once. And so I've just asked God the Holy Spirit to meet me in my imperfection and say, would you talk about one that you're ready to address in my life today? And this isn't about God barking orders. This isn't about God condemning. That's not the way that he works. He comes with an offer today that if you will acknowledge his existence, respectfully so, and invite him into your life, he will begin to work that creative process that we see in him ordering the creation. And this this God that we've mostly forgotten, the Holy Spirit, will go to work in the secret recesses and in some very visible outward ways in your life. And you will begin to experience the order and the life of God, the created order and the life of God welling up within you. But ask specifically for God's Holy Spirit to do this. Typically, we forget about him. He's the forgotten God. Because Jesus, uh, human being, God and man, yep, that's, I, I'd like to try to connect with him because he might have a clue about how I live and experience life. Heavenly Father, everybody wants a father to love them. Holy Spirit, mm, sounds a little bit too much like Holy Ghost and Scooby-Doo scary, so... I don't know what he does, and we run from him and address our prayers and the rest of our our time and our allegiance and our appreciation to God the Father and God the Son. But I'm telling you today, there is a spirit who comes forth from God. And just as he was present at creation, he wants to be present in your life to breathe life and life-giving order to it. There is no mess too big for him. So why don't you stand with me and let's just invite, let's acknowledge the Holy Spirit's presence and let's invite him to work. Lord, as we stand before you today, I want to first just acknowledge your existence, Holy Spirit of God, fully God, right alongside the Father and the Son, Spirit of God, we have We sang praises to you earlier. Pray that we didn't do that mindlessly. I fear that sometimes I have. But at this moment, in this day, I humble myself before you. We do. And we ask, is there anything you would like to address in our lives? that is a soupy, chaotic, lifeless mess? 
What, what are you ready to work on with us, Lord? We listen for your voice. Lord, we confess to you that those things feel rather tohu babohu to us, too. Maybe some of these things are what we were talking about over the last couple of weeks where we, we gave up on them, lost hope. Today we invite you to come and bring order to that which we have not managed well, to breathe life into things that we cannot resuscitate on our own. We present all of ourselves in those things that you've pointed out to us today. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, please come and do your creative work in our lives. We'll listen for your voice not just through the end of this prayer, not just through the end of this day, but we invite you to walk with us this week and to keep addressing the mess. Thank you, Lord, for not being offended by it or run off by it. What is it, Holy Spirit, that attracts you to the place that you would hover over the mess and brood and work? Thank you for being the kind of God who can have relationship with people like us.